And welcome to the BSA Capital Tech and Transitional Energy Podcast. It's Thursday, the 19th of August. It's myself, Andrew Monk, and Bill Smith. Bill, how are you? I'm in fine fettle, Andrew, but just preparing myself mentally to go to the dentist after our podcast. It's not 2.30 yet. <laughs> the old ones are always the best, don't they? Ah, <laughs> oh, there you go, laugh. Right, look, it's the middle of August. Uh, we always say this. There shouldn't be much to talk about. Then we yatter on for about half an hour. But uh, let's see if we can keep it fairly short. Um, but as always, there's things to start off with. And I want to start this week with actually Johnson Massey, because as you know, I've suddenly become very excited about this company because I think they're doing all the right things um, in the transitional energy space. And I noticed today we got uh, news that they have basically joined a UK-based consortium to develop prototype solid-state batteries. Uh, and the consortium includes Faraday Institution, British Vault, Oxford University, UK Battery Industrial Association Centre, Emerson and Renwick and University of Warwick. Um, this to me is pretty interesting because it's another step in the whole battery revolution. And solid state batteries are going to be very, very important in the future. Um, but they've never really quite got to the stage where they're commercial. They're still sort of a bit of a, I hate to say it, science experiment. I know I get into trouble when I say that sometimes on these podcasts. Um, we do, of course, have two players, listed players in the UK involved in this space, uh, which is um, Illica, which has been around for some time, and actually is, is a actually is a bloody good company, um, to be honest with you. It's had a fantastic run, though. But um, uh, And the other one is a fairly recently floated company, AMTE Power, which is is trying to play around a little bit here. Um, as you know, we've, we've tried to reach out to the management to speak to them, um, but they haven't uh, responded to us. Um, and I have some question marks over that one. Um, but, Phil, what do you think of this Johnson Matty announcement? I think the first thing to catch the eye is, well, well there's a couple of things here. I mean, Johnson Matty, if people watch them very closely and look at their news flow, we'll see that they are now moving at a pace in terms of their activity and energy transition. The second thing is the partners that they've got in this are, in the UK, the dream partners to have. Um, you know, in terms of the University of Warwick, who have, have very much led a charge in, in development of battery tech, Oxford Uni and, you know, British Vault, Faraday Institute. So all the right partners. So if any consortium is going to move forward in developing the tech, it's these guys. They've got all of the expertise between them um, and the scale to do it. Uh, and there's no lack of lack of market opportunity, you know, in terms of the solid state um, batteries and, and the markets that they address. And there's a huge market opportunity to go for. And, and that tech has its own advantages. Yeah, look, I mean, I think what's interesting is Johnson Massey are also that their main battery development is the ELON battery. Um, and as we've talked in the past here about them signing a joint development project with Nano One that we have a lot of time for, they've obviously put in place their own battery materials supply chain. You know, they really are doing all the right things. And there's just one other interesting point on this as well. I've, I've just this morning been on the phone to a good friend of mine who happens to be a, <laughs> a very senior trader at Gunroar in uh, Singapore. And uh, he also trades and runs all of their sort of battery and critical metals division. And obviously, Johnson Matthew have a, a, a battery program that 
doesn't include cobalt. It's interesting because he said, you know what, Andrew, cobalt is getting designed out of batteries faster than you can imagine. And he said, you know, in five years time, it may well be that there is virtually no cobalt whatsoever in batteries. Uh, and that is why Glencore quite sort of publicly said, yeah, they'd sell all their cobalt division because, you know, they say it's worth a lot of money. But actually, they also probably can see that you know, cobalt demand is going to go down. Uh, but, you know, I really like what Johnson Massey are doing. Um, it, it's and the stock is too cheap. Yeah, they're also which actually leads me on to another subject I think we should talk about. Uh, they do quite a lot of work, don't they, in uh, the hydrogen space. And uh, hydrogen is a, a little bit in the news today, shall we say? Well, certainly, let's put it to it. I've read it today, uh, so it could well be that it was earlier on in the week. Uh, but I noticed that um, Chris Jackson has stepped down from his role as the chairman of the UK Hydrogen and Fuel Cell Association um, because he feels that actually it's all going wrong in the UK. Was the, the, it, well, the timing is because of the also the, the UK government um, an update on their hydrogen uh, strategy this week, um, and it said that they, you know, the, the government's going to work with industry to deliver five gigawatts of uh, low carbon hydrogen production. Now that's a uh, uh, by 2030. That's an awful lot of um production and and they're looking to see a gigawatt of capacity added by 2025 and they've said how they're going to fund this this is the, the government how much money they're putting in and looking at the gas networks and the you know storage systems and investing in that but i think that this is all related to blue hydrogen and green hydrogen in terms of where we're going to get the capacity from um, and the reason for the record, the, the resignation is cited, I think, is the blue hydrogen dependency. The yeah, top. I mean, in the UK, we have a sort of a, a blue hydrogen strategy, don't we? Whereas in Europe, they have a green hydrogen strategy. Yep. Just quickly, for those, um, actually, I suspect most listeners do know the difference. You've also got grey hydrogen as well. Yes. Um, but obviously, you know, basically green hydrogen is genuine, you know, it's normally made out of electrolysis or something from a wind farm or something so it's just uh, for want of a better word splitting water or something so you just get pure hydrogen whereas of course blue hydrogen is where you actually basically split gas and so you take out the carbon and keep the hydrogen um and that means you've got to do something with your carbon capture you have that absolutely right and um so they're mainly looking to use use natural gas and there's been some announcements on huge natural gas plants in the in the uk to do this um and i think the, the government's kind of backing a twin strategy you know of blue hydrogen and green hydrogen and um you know as i say this is why the guy's stepping down but what it does show uh that government announcement this week is that um that you know the pace of progress in the whole hydrogen sector um you know and, and 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 increasing amounts of capital that are going in to do it it's a seen as a very serious proposition now mm. uh, rumor has it i did read chemistry at quite a well-known university phil so i should be able to know the difference you know between the two shouldn't i <laughs> um I, I rumor, rumor also is that i spent my whole time rowing um anyway that's another story um but yeah look i think the you know clearly 
you know, hydrogen um, always catches the public imagination. And, and we've seen all these fuel cell companies shooting off the massive valuations. But we're still, let's be honest, quite a long way away from having what I would describe as a hydrogen economy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we are indeed. It is early days, early days. The Interesting. Thing going, going back to my trader, actually, it was a very long conversation. Mm. Um, but we were talking about hydrogen as well, because he agrees with me that um, hydrogen has still got um, quite a way to go. Uh, but I was then talking to him about hydrogen storage. Yeah. And because, uh, as you know, I happen to believe that's the way to play it. Because you basically, if you're going to have a hydrogen economy, you've got to store it somewhere and you can't just use any old blooming container. It's not like Calagas. Uh, so obviously I was talking about pressure technologies and uh, he totally agreed with me, actually. He'd never heard of pressure technology. He said, but I'm going to go and look it up, Andrew. I'm probably going to go and buy stock. Um, so that was a nice conversation to have. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, absolutely. And, uh, and the, you know, in terms of storage, they're, they're working with Shell on refueling stations and, and you know, supplying the, um, the cylinders to store the hydrogen at uh, refueling stations and i was talking to another company today that's involved in in fuel cell systems and um you know i was saying to them that if you look at the top 10 truck makers globally nine out of the ten are developing hydrogen uh, based trucks in parallel with electric ones electric trucks we've got to see really because of the size of the batteries that are needed and you have to you know more power you need the more you reduce the load you can actually carry on your truck because the amount of battery weight you carry but uh, there's a, a terrific amount of activity going on in the transport sector on hydrogen now. That, that is increasing, definitely. And then quickly getting back to your comment on cobalt, did you see that uh, Glencore, um, there was an article in the FT, I think, getting this in, they're saying that Glencore are going to be investing in British Vault. That is correct, yeah. The, uh, the uh, undisclosed undisclosed stake at this stage etc but uh, yeah uh, british vault is our is a gigafactory that's being built um yeah in the north of england that's a huge project uh that is correct now talking of projects and big companies uh we had some news uh this week from sse which i found rather interesting as you know sse is Stock actually, I have suffered with in my pension for years, but now Elliot is shaking it up and things are going on. Um, but they have acquired their first 50 megawatt battery storage asset um, just outside, I think it was Salisbury. Yep. That's mm -hmm. quite a lot, 50 megawatts, isn't it? It's, uh, it is sizable. Uh, if you think in 2020, the whole of the UK battery capacity was 700. Uh, megawatts in 2020, that's 0.7 gigawatts, um, and that's uh, increasing. The install base now has increased up to 1.1 gigawatts with 16 gigawatts planned. So, I mean, 50 meg as projects go per project, that's, that is a big project and quite a first step for SSE. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, obviously, the, the project that isn't been built yet, there's another 18 months to go, but it's been planned for the last four years or so. And I saw another actually company, um, well, I saw the financiers of it out of Hong Kong stroke China for, a, they said, a 100 megawatt uh, battery storage facility just outside Swindon. But I wasn't sure about that. They showed me some documentation. I see one of the things that I had struggled with, they were going to do it all with lithium ion batteries and they were claiming they could do over 50,000 cycles. Well, 
someone must have invented a new battery that I haven't heard about because they just can't do that many of cycles. So there's still, I think, a lot of question marks out there about some of these big battery storage um, assets of actually how they will work, how long they will last, etc. Uh, and obviously, from our point of view, we're watching closely for October when the energy super hub Oxford opens, because that will obviously be one of the first super hubs to open. And then that will tell us exactly, you know, whether these things work or not, won't they? Yeah, that's a. I mean, that's a hybrid project. I think they've already got the lithium. They've they've got that fired up lithium ion proportion of that. They're now you know they're working close with our client, Infinity Energy Systems, on the on the flow batteries. But that's going to be really really exciting because it will show how the um, the short cycle versus long cycle from the lithium ion battery from the sorry from the uh, flow batteries work together in harmony. So you know lithium ion. It's where it sort of north up to four four hours of, of energy provision, and then the flow batteries kick in and they provide longer cycle storage. So um, that's a really exciting project. That is 50 megawatts in total. Um, and the, the super hub is, is a big uh, big EV charging station. So that's it. Yeah, that's a really interesting um, project. Well, I think that's, that's what we're going to see, isn't it, all around the country? Well, I know EDF have talked about putting in. 40 of these super hubs in place but basically we're going to have super hubs all around the country which you know as you say of 50 megawatts or 100 megawatts which will change the whole way energy is is generated um in the uk oh yeah and it's quite a transformation for the the whole ev sector because these are big central charging points for electric vehicles mm. And then, of course, as we know, and we talked about it often enough on this podcast, the big, big, well, one of the big bottlenecks for the rollout of EVs is charging infrastructure and the ability of, um, you know, big central charging points. Yeah, well, we, we talked a lot about that last week, so we'd better not repeat ourselves, but just go and listen to last week's podcast if you want to hear more about EV charging. <laughs> Let's, um, interesting, uh, couple of interesting topics there anyway, uh, to get us going. Uh, let's talk about some of the news maybe we've had in the week, Phil, uh, yeah. or things that we've spotted, should we say. Now, actually, we um, went and saw a company again this week together, didn't we? Um, slightly, I mean, not really, I suppose you could call it tech, but basically it was a, a, a manufacturer of tiles, wasn't it? But out of basically waste, tile waste. Yeah. Um, called a Lucid. And it was fascinating, really, because their tiles, not only are they green tiles, but of course, they were actually cheaper to manufacture. And actually, not just that, without spoiling all of your take on it, um, they've got a fantastic deal with Topps Tiles. And Topps Tiles, of course, is basically the biggest retailer of, of tiles in the UK. And if you go onto their presentation, the latest presentation of Topps Tiles, they actually have a whole page, page 21, on this particular tile, don't they? Yeah. Right. So it, uh, <laughs> Oh, it's, well, I thought it was fascinating. This is, um, I mean, this is a company that Frontier IP Group, that's FIPP is the ticker, um, and they're a corporate client of ours. This is one of their uh, companies that they've got, uh, they own shares in. Frontier IP makes its money by commercialising uh, companies' products, and it takes equity stakes for that. And they have an equity stake in the lease and introduce us to the company. Um, and they're, yeah, they're using uh, waste uh, ceramic ceramic products and often half cut some of the tile industry's waste, ceramic waste and glass waste. And um, 
they, they, they've got intellectual property behind their processing to, to put the materials together and making very, very high quality and very high end um, tiles. And these are tiles for, uh, certainly discussed with us, um, you know, sort of large scale commercial uh, commercial products. And they've got some some pretty high profile commercial customers for these, uh, for, for their tiles. Yeah, it was, I was amazed. And what was amazing too was, like it is a new, you know, it's a new technology they've got for, for tile processes, um, but it actually saves significant cost in the whole make process as well. So that has that has real value. As you say, it's, it's part of the Frontier IP program or portfolio. Um, and, you know, we're seeing some fascinating companies in the portfolio of Frontier IP, but I think the whole you know investing into technology is so difficult early stage technology that you need to go in through one of these sort of vehicles and i think we need to probably have more of these sort of vehicles on the uk market so that people can get exposure but it was very interesting yeah. Yeah. um so yeah that was a meeting we did this week uh running through a few things i've seen actually just just for your interest we've talked quite a lot in the past on on uh, and you've sort of touched on it on this podcast about alfen which is a dutch company about one and a half billion actually i say one and a half, but it's about two billion now uh, because it's been performing really well in the, uh, this week. Uh, it's gone shooting up from about 70 euros to 90, 90 plus euros, um, off a little bit today, actually at 92 euros, just because the markets are so horrible. Um, but uh, Alphen is, is a fantastic business. Uh, it has been an absolute star performer. Back at the beginning of 2020, it was trading at only about 15 euros or even less. Uh, so I say now 92 euros. Um, it's a great company. Uh, tricky one, obviously, being uh, not listed in London, uh, unless they want to come and get a dual listing in London, which would be fantastic. I'd love it. Um, but it is a high-quality company, and it's performed very well. Uh, I also noticed today, actually, um, a company called Tremor. Um, now, this is a company, another of these companies I wish I, I'd known about a year ago or so. Uh, they had some figures today which were absolutely stunning. Uh, and the stock has jumped eight uh, percent, even in a horrible market conditions. Uh, and this stock this year has run up from about just about 200p to 800p. Uh, so it's been a fantastic performer. A bit of a clue, actually. Schroeder's own about 10 percent, and we all know that um, Andy Bruffett Schroeder's is probably one of the smartest uh, small mid-cap fund managers out there. And then Tosca also own about 13 percent or something. Uh, so between them, I think they got about 25 percent. And Again, Tosca are pretty smart cookies as well. Uh, I don't. Did you see those figures, Bill? Yes, I did. I've they got were stunning, got, weren't they? But they are. They are amazing. Uh, ticker is TRMR. The market cap now is what it was, what one point two um, billion, and they say so. This is advertising technology, um, and they are. You know, they're a leader in video connected TV advertising. Uh, and they've got a platform that obviously very, very cleverly um, interfaces and processes video for 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 advertising. And as you know, wherever you flip it, look, you know, whether it's on the internet, uh, on your phone, on the web, like the amount of video that appears, um, you know, as you are as you are browsing. And uh, this is what they are they are into. And uh, just to quickly look at the numbers that they produced. Uh, it, was, they did, it was quarterly and six monthly figures, Andrew. Mm. And there was, and I'm uh, just looking at the six monthly to the end of June. The turnovers doubled from about 74 million to 152 million. 
and their profit they've got from an operating loss and this is a classic you know got from an operating loss of 31 million 31 and a half million to 30 and they've made a profit of 36 right so they've turned that right around i mean there's obviously a lot of, sort of leverage in the business you know the revenues grow first through the profits but but um, and uh, the, their EBITDA margins were something like was it fifty percent for the for the three months ended to June the quarter, um, yeah as you say stunning, um, and in terms of sort of end market, well my word we're all we're all seeing the effect of it yeah we're constantly exposed to this to this stuff so you can see why it's growing. Actually, just just talking of videos, um, it's like red herring. Um, but we do monitor, we obviously do quite a lot of, as well as podcasts, we do um, video blogs as well for some of our corporate clients. Uh, our record at the moment is one we've done, we've had 13,000 viewers of one of our video blogs that we did with one of our corporate clients, which if you think about it is pretty amazing. Um, we, we do regularly do video blogs for all our corporate clients, so any corporates listening, uh, you might want to consider uh, getting a video blog done with us uh, because that's the sort of interest we're able to attract. And I think we're pretty unique uh, within the broking or investment banking community for having our own film studio and being able to do these video blogs. Uh, so that's another reason why we want to um, get involved with VSA Capital. Oh, I think that was a bit of an advert, middle of the podcast. <laughs> it, it, that, that was definitely an advert, Andrew, but I have to say very well, very, very, very well pitched as, as, as always. But to achieve yeah. those... Choose those sort of sorts of figures. Um, you do need to know what you are doing in terms of highly targeted distribution, um, and that's what yeah, that's what we are doing. And clearly, these guys on a far bigger scale have got tech that uh, tech that drives that on a much bigger scale. Now, going down the scale again to smaller companies, but there was one that one that we've actually um, mentioned uh, a little bit actually a few times on this podcast in the past which I'm rather intrigued by because I rather like the CEO I think he's a very driven man uh, but Cloud Coco uh, I noticed this week that they've raised 2.1 million they've made a small acquisition um, and uh, it, you know he's sort of starting to do what he said he would do if you see what I mean which yeah. I think is interesting did you have a look at that Phil? I, I did have a brief look at it because obviously you know and I've looked Look close at uh, Red Centric as well, which uh, he was he originally worked for in uh, a senior sales role there. And this, the uh, you know UK cloud services activity is certainly picking up again. Um, you know because well we use cloud services ourselves as a firm um, for our IT and and as you know as companies are recovering, the economy is recovering, they're spending more on businesses are expanding again, they're recruiting, they're spending more on IT. And that all, you know, all feeds into cloud services companies like Cloud Coco, so uh, and Red Centric. So it's a, it's an interesting time for these players. Yeah, well, we'll watch that space. Um, it's one just to keep an eye on, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, now I'm aware that uh, the dentist is coming up for you fairly soon, Phil. Uh, but uh, anything else you wanted to have a little chat about, really? Um, I don't think. I mean, a couple of other quick things. Just in, this is just in terms of. Of uh, companies expanding, Siemens Gamesa in uh, Hull, they're doubling doubling their investment there, manufacturing blades for offshore wind. Uh, that got announced. Uh, that got announced this week. So that's uh, that's new jobs in the sector. Also saw that Wright Bus, who made the London double deckers, uh, you know the route, the new Routemaster buses originally, 
And this is uh, Joe Bamford, son of Lord Bamford. Uh, they are now expanding again. Uh, I think they had they had uh, shrunk, um, but uh, they're, they're taking on more jobs. Um, growing the workforce to 900, and this is because they're seeing rising demand for uh, hydrogen fuel buses and electric buses. So uh, well, there we go. So that was that was very positive news for them. We're sort of back where we started, aren't we? You know, are buses going to go electric or are they going to go hydrogen? I mean, the thing about a bus is that you can, it's so easy to charge overnight whilst they're parked up in the bus station because uh, no one's using them overnight. Um, and then, of course, they have a fixed distance, basically. They go every day because they do the same route every day. So I can't help but feel that buses, electric is more appropriate, whereas lorries are slightly different and could go the hydrogen route. Yeah, lorries are going longer distances. Um, and also you have the, you know, the issue of the weight, battery weight trade-off mm. uh, for trucks versus what we have, whereas you don't have that for buses. But but in terms of buses in the UK, there is, um, you know, fleets are being expanded and it is mostly electric. And we've seen all these, you know, BYD uh, are, are very active in, in the UK. Um, but, uh, you know, TFL are, are taking on, the, the TFL started with hybrid buses, but now looking at pure electric buses. But, yeah, way to, way to go. And anything that uh, produces less fumes from buses around where we are will be very welcome. Well, then you should be jumping on your e-scooter, which I know gets a terrible press, but actually we do actually work in the e-scooter space. And uh, I really see actually not that much difference between an e-scooter and an e-bike. Uh, and there's plenty of bikes around as well. The real issue really for bikes and e-scooters is that our road systems are just not designed to accommodate both. Whereas in somewhere like Holland, they actually design the roadways to accommodate both. So that's what you need. You need proper planning. But trying to get proper planning out of our government or certainly our local councils is virtually impossible. Um, Anyway, you don't want to get me going on that, Phil, actually. That's a bad route to take me down. Oh, excuse the pun, because I'm a cyclist and a driver, and I have extreme views on both. Um, <laughs> the listeners are not going to want to hear that. Come on, we're waffling. Right, anything right. else on tech and trends? Nope, that's it for this week, I think. Right. Are you around next week, or are you going off on holiday? I am on holiday for uh, two weeks, Andrew. All right. Does that mean we're gonna? I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to go and find some special guests, aren't I? And I think you will be able to do that. I'm sure. Let me see what I can do. I hope everyone's enjoyed listening to this. I'm sorry if we've been waffling away. Uh, if you've got any companies you'd like us to look at, discuss, then please let us know. Just direct messages. Uh, if you disagree with what we're saying, let us know. Uh, if you want to come and talk to us, let us know. We're open to all ideas. All we're doing is saying what we think as we speak. But I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you enjoy the weekend. Excellent. Look forward to chatting when I get back, Andrew.